Pastor. Can you guys hear me okay? It's hard to follow that. It's nice when, it's nice when people say good things about you, and, they, and then they get it right. And I felt like he, I felt like he downplayed a few things, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, it's really hard to follow that. Um, my emotions are all over the place, so... If I, if I break up and I lose it, it's, um, it's um, understandable, I suppose, right? I played golf on Friday, and um, that's like the first time in a long time I played golf. I probably played golf three times in 20 years. And then I had a uh, yard sale yesterday that took 10 hours. And I woke up today, and I could barely move. So, and, uh, so physically, I'm aching. My heart is aching a bit. Um, and Kim would already tell you that my mind's gone many years ago, so... Um, having said that, I pray the Lord gives me strength to share this message with you today. It's a funny thing about prayer. God answers it. He does answer prayer. Last summer, I can't t- exactly tell you the, the date, but last summer I was driving and I just said, Lord, I feel like I've become too comfortable in my faith. I feel like I am doing faith in life on my own. I feel like I'm not truly relying on your Holy Spirit. Faith, ministry, it's become too familiar to me. And I prayed, Lord, I said, Lord, take me out of my comfort zone. Stretch me. Do what you will with me in my life. Last December, I was shocked to find that my health insurance premiums had tripled. And uh, I didn't quite have the money to make ends meet. And I prayed and I said, God, I want to put you first and your kingdom first. And I need you to take care of these finances. And I've been praying that prayer ever since. Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. And then in May, I was in the Philippines teaching and training youth workers. Many of you know that Kim and I used to minister in China. Some of you may know that I, uh, in the military, lived in Korea. You may know that we've worked cross-culturally in the States. And you may know that I have a vision, a desire and passion to train up youth workers overseas. And so there I was in the Philippines at a, at a seminary in the chapel. And I was praying, God, I, I need a vision. I need to see what you see. I need insight into my future. Lord, give me a calling, a burden, something bigger than me. That week I was teaching a class in the book of Nehemiah. If you know anything about this historical character, Nehemiah was burdened in his heart. God gave him a vision, a picture of things to come, and God sent him back to his homeland to rebuild the walls. And I was teaching that class, realizing that I had grown dry and cold and maybe calloused and maybe too comfortable in my own faith journey. And I said, okay, Lord, I will stay and continue to be at Calvary. Lord, give me fresh wind and energy. And Lord, work in me here in Lamont. But Lord, if you want me to do anything else, and if you want me to go anywhere else, I will do it. Because I want to seek you first and put your plan first. So I prayed for something bigger than me. Again, God answers prayer. So he has totally taken me out of my comfort zone. He's given me something that's bigger and beyond me. It's not every day that one decides to move to the other side of the world and in the course of two months sell their home or attempt to sell or rent their home to liquidate everything they own. How many here just love having yard sales? Does anyone really love? There's a few of you. that You like the money, don't you? You like getting rid of the junk. Um, it's stressful. 
I guess I, I didn't know what I was in for when I prayed that. Lord, help me to find medical insurance overseas that covers my family and I. Lord, help me to raise some needed funds to transition and money to help me with ministry overseas. And uh, Lord, work in all these areas. And I found myself this Wednesday completely stressed out. And ironically, I knew already that the Lord wanted me to preach on Matthew six thirty three, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And the context of that passage is, don't worry, don't let life overcome you. And here I was, I was so worried I couldn't even write the sermon. I was, I was whining a bit. And then I woke up Thursday morning and And God reminded me, well, you prayed for this, didn't you? You prayed for big things. You prayed for new and exciting things, and you prayed for a vision. Mark, I'm just answering your prayers. It's funny because praying for patience, that's a tricky prayer. Because God gives it to you, uh, it's like on the job training, you know. I remember years ago when I first came here, I said, Lord, give me patience. And he sent me Timothy White. And uh, if you know Timothy, he's a real handful. And for six years, the Lord has been using him. Painfully so, to humble me and give me patience. But God answers prayers. He does. I want you to hear a truth today. It's this. If you worry, you will miss out on God's kingdom, purpose, and power for your life. But if you put God first, he will provide, and the worry will subside. You like how I got that rhyme in, didn't you? When we worry, we miss out on what God has for us. But when we seek God first, he'll begin to work everything out. So if you don't mind, I'd like to spend the next few moments looking at this passage that has sustained me, really, for the last nine months or more. I believe it speaks to all of us. It's a passage, Matthew chapter 6, if you'd like to look it up. We're going to look at verses 25 through 34. Now this passage is um, in the midst of Uh, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, perhaps one of his famous, most famous sermons or addresses to his disciples. So there he was, teaching the multitudes, and he stepped aside, and he began training the twelve and speaking into their life. And he spoke about a lot of very neat and powerful things. He talked about forgiveness. He talked about finances. He talked about where we put our security and our hope in, and he talked about worry, And that's where this passage is. So we're going to look at Matthew 6, 25 through 34. I believe it will be on the screen in a moment. Matthew 6, 25 through 34. And then right towards the end is that gem about putting God first. Here it is. Jesus to his disciples and therefore to us today said this. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Notice the rhetorical question there. I think we all know that. Who, are you, who, who of you, by worrying, can end a single hour to his life? Now he's rubbing it in a bit, isn't he? I think most of us would say that worry takes off a few years. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spend. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, 
Oh, you of little faith. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But, here it is, folks, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do ask that we would glean, that we would really draw, that we would really discover some rich truth. Lord, we pray that it would not be locked in the closet of our minds, but it would penetrate our soul and it would be lived out in our lives. So I ask you, Lord, today uh, to use me, to speak through me, and I pray that you would open all of our, our hearts to hear from you. In your name we pray. Amen. So what's the solution for life's worries and cares? I think it's obvious. To seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. But the question comes about, how do we put God first? Well, let's zoom in again at verses 33 through 34. What I'd like to do is reread it in the New International Version, read it in the Message Translation, and then the Contemporary English Version. And if we had time, I'd read it in another 10 translations, and I'm sure the end result would be the same. Put God first. But let's take a look at it. Matthew 6, 33 and 34, that key passage there regarding worrying says, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. How about in the message translation? Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now and don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the times come. I'm convinced that when the Holy Spirit used Matthew to write this text, Matthew probably had me in mind. Maybe has you in mind as well. Let's look at the contemporary English version. Again, chapter 6, verses 33 and 34. But more than anything else, put God's work first and do what he wants. Then the other things will be yours as well. Don't worry about tomorrow. It will take care of itself. You have enough worry. You have enough to worry about today. I think we all say amen. I offer these three observations. How does a pastor conclude six years at a church? Kicking it old school, three-point sermon. You want a five? I can give you a five, but three's good, right? I offer these three observations on how we can put God first. And they come back to the very simple, rudimentary, fundamental elements of faith. We need to put them first in our head, heart, and hands. And how we think and how we feel and what we say and do. Our head, heart, and hands. So let's take a moment to look at that. First, we seek first the kingdom of God by prioritizing him in our thoughts. In this passage, there is a word used. It's called the word first. It's a very simple word, but it has quite a bit of meaning. And I'm not going to spend quite a bit of time on it, but simply 
It means to make your top priority, to make the most important thing in your life. The very first thing that you do, the very first thing that you think about, the top of the list of your daily to-dos, and so forth. You see, God wants us to have our thoughts focused on him and not on our worries and not on the daily grind. God wants us to give him our cares, and in so doing, we can focus on him. Keeping our minds on our troubles and our personal agendas is, is akin to a guy who takes a girl out on a date and spends the entire night scoping out other women. Or maybe a husband who takes his wife out on a much-needed date night and spends the evening uh, on his cell phone texting and updating his Twitter and Facebook and so forth. Sure, he's there in person, but his mind is a mile away. God wants our thoughts to be focused on him. To prioritize him in our hearts and with our hands and what we say and do, we need to sense the Holy Spirit working. Practically speaking, we can put God first in our thoughts by intentionally setting aside time to read the Bible. Even a verse or two a day, it's spiritual food that's going to keep your mind focused and clean and pure. Spend time praying. By the way, prayer is, is a dialogue. Often we think of it as a monologue. It's not just me talking to God about things. And it surely shouldn't be me always asking him for things. It should be me expressing my gratitude and thanks and asking him about the all kinds of interesting things. But it should also be me listening and taking time to be quiet and to reflect. We call that meditating on the things of God. And so we can recenter and refocus our minds on God and therefore put him first by spending time reading this message he's given us by praying and spending time with other believers. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 remind us of this. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, referring to the spiritual family, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies, including your minds, as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Don't just fit in and be like everyone else. But be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. When we take time to recenter our lives and focus on God, to begin to get our thoughts right, God will give us wisdom in how to handle our issues, good or bad. Amen? Secondly, we seek first the kingdom of God when we fully give him our hearts. When we fully give him our hearts. So we need to daily refocus our thoughts by spending time in prayer and in and reading the Bible and connecting with Christian friends. But secondly, we need to make sure that we love him, that he's at the center of our very being, that this thing called faith, it's really a love relationship. When you love someone, you trust him or her. Am I right? God wants us to trust him. He wants us to trust him. Verse 32 of our passage says this in the contemporary English version. Only people who don't know God are always worrying about such things. Your Father in heaven knows that you need all of these. Did you catch that? 
Only people who don't know God, Heavenly Father, Abba, are always worrying and stressing about everything else. If you realize that he's your heavenly father, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you've entered this thing, the spiritual family, then you have this peace that comes, that he is daddy, that he is father, and that he cares, and that he knows what's going on. You know, when you're in love, when you're in love, and, and maybe love seems too touchy-feely, but maybe when you're committed to something or someone, you go all in. You go all in. For some of you, it's, it's your hobby, and you just give everything to that hobby. Time, energy, finances, everything. You give everything to that. I hope you do that with your relationships as well. Maybe for you, you get such satisfaction out of your work that it's not work, and you just give everything you have, and you, you jump all in, and, and you're on board. A few years ago, I saw this commercial. Some of you have seen it. I cannot give you the specifics, but the gist of the commercial is this. It was, they were highlighting that trust game that they play at camps where um, you, you kind of go like this and you, you fall back and the person behind you catches you. Have you seen that? You know, and you have, you have to trust them that they're going to catch you. Okay, well, they show this big NFL linebacker, okay, 230, 250 pounds. Uh, actually, um, I don't think he was a linebacker. I think, I think he was probably like a lineman, so he's probably like 280 pounds. And... Um, and he's doing that with these young, like, eight, nine-year-old kids. Have you seen this commercial? I think it maybe it was for Boys and Girls Club of America. And he's like, okay, now, trust me. And the little kid falls back in his arm. And they do some advertisement at the very end of it. Then there's him. And he's standing on the tree stump or whatever, 280 pounds. And he's like, it's my turn. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he's going to crush the kid, right? Oh, have you seen that commercial? But you get the concept, right? You get the concept. Sometimes we think God's like that. Uh, we, we don't think that he'll catch us. We don't trust him. Yet Jesus is telling us that God has our backs. He just wants our hearts. God will provide. He will take care. He just wants us to trust him. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 has been another passage over the last few weeks since making this big decision to move overseas and dealing with the emotions of it. It's a passage that's come to me over and over and over again, reminding me that God has my back and he wants my heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. Another translation says, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. What a beautiful truth. What a beautiful principle. Trust him with everything that is within you. Don't get focused on what you see, what you hear on your financials or your lack thereof or on the current status of your relationships with people, especially if they're bad. Don't get focused on those things. Trust him, lean on him, rely on him, and he'll begin to work that path out. Amen? So practically speaking, what does that mean? Well, I think we can give him our hearts by placing faith and trust in him for the first time and then renewed day after day after day. If you're here right now and you say, you know, Mark, I'm not a person of faith. I'm not religious. I have never acknowledged or accepted or prayed or done anything like that to accept Jesus Christ. He's waiting for you to trust him today. He's waiting for you to embrace him. He offers that. 
He's done so much for us. He's redeemed us. He's given us a place in heaven. He's given his Holy Spirit to journey life with us. And he asked that you would surrender your life to him and acknowledge him as your Lord, the number one, that he's seated on the throne and that he is your savior, the one who rescues you. And then for those of you here that are Christians, we need to be reminded daily to not take that for granted, to come back and and repent and recognize our wrongdoings and that we make mistakes and we go against God's ways and we hurt his heart and we need to ask for forgiveness and then we need to turn the other direction. It's a daily thing, putting that faith in Christ, leaning and relying on him and realizing that you can't do it in your own strength. Here are some prayers that have sustained me for years and and most assuredly the last several months of my life. The first is 1 Peter 5, 7. Actually, verse 6 is really good too. 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7. I'm going to read verse 7. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Have you heard it before? Here's Peter. If you remember anything about Peter, you remember anything about the history, even if you've never opened your Bible, Peter was a rough guy. He was like me. He was, you know, type A driven. I'm going to do this. I can do it on my own. And time and time again, he tried to do it on his own and he didn't trust Jesus and his thoughts weren't on track with Jesus and his heart was there, but sometimes he was so stubborn. And then here he is, he's transformed by God and he comes back and he says, cast all your anxieties, give them to Jesus. Why? Why can you do that? Don't you know? Because he cares for you. I've lived in different countries in my life and I've traveled in many, to many countries and I'll tell you this, I've seen idols, I've seen statues. We have different idols and statues here. Sometimes they're our 401 or they're our car or they're our home, they're different possessions. But I've seen other idols and trophies. I've seen people who make idols and statues and things that are supposed to be very similar to demons and various other things. And I think to myself, that statue, that stone or that steel or that wood it doesn't do a thing for you. It doesn't care for you. It doesn't catch you. It doesn't help you. Here we have this promise, and Peter reminds us that putting God first with our hearts means that we remember that He cares for us. And we can say, God, I can't handle this anymore. Do you know what it means to cast? Just to give it away. Just say, God, I can't deal with this anymore. Okay, Lord, I can't handle this. I'm trusting you to step in and, and be God. I can't be God. I need you to be God. So 1 Peter 5 is a great passage. Helps me center my mind and my heart on Christ. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. Here Jesus use as, uses an agricultural metaphor. Uh, he's referring to farming. And he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So he's talking about a yoke. A yoke was a piece of wood uh, that bound two animals together so they could plow and work the field. Um, You'll still see this in third world or developing countries today. And he says, you know what? You can carry this weight. You can carry the shame of your past. You can carry your failures. You can carry your insecurities. You can carry the problems you had with your parents. You can carry the broken relationships. You can take that with life and it is a heavy burden and it's going to wear you down and you'll never get anything done in life. You can do that. 
You can take your addictions, you can take your failures, you can take what other people are saying and you can put that monkey on your back and you can carry it or there's another option. You can say, God, I don't want to carry that anymore. I don't want to think that way, I don't want to feel that way, I don't want to live that way anymore. I want to receive you and take that relationship. I want to be in a relationship with you, bound to you. And, and Jesus promises that it is a great journey that he won't ever force himself on us. He won't ever beat us up. He won't ever mock us. He won't ever humiliate us. He won't leave us and he won't turn his back on us. He's there with us. Matthew eleven twenty eight and 30. Philippians 4, 6 and 7 would be another one. These are practical ways that you can seek God first and his way, his righteousness, by getting your heart on board with that. Here's another one, last one. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I have some friends that are here today. Actually, I have many friends that are here today. Actually, to tell you the truth, you're all my friends. But there are some here today who have gone through great crisis in the last weeks and months. Tremendous crisis. And my prayer for them is this prayer. That God's peace would sustain them. That God's peace would help them during the turmoil of life. I've prayed for that for me too. It's not an easy road that Kim and I are journeying over these next weeks saying goodbye to family members and friends. I'm an emotional wreck. You know, I don't wear my emotions on my sleeve, but that doesn't mean that I'm not internally dealing with issues. But what a great truth. When it doesn't make sense here, God can give me a peace that goes beyond that. Have you ever felt that peace that only God can give? Raise your hand if you felt that. It's the same peace that calmed the storms when the disciples were completely worried and freaked out in that boat. It's the same peace that sustained some of you during the loss of a loved one. It's a peace that sustains some of you during a tragic, drawn-out, very painful divorce. It's a peace that sustains you when a coworker has lied and gotten you in trouble with a boss, or maybe you've been let go or downsized, and you don't understand why. It's a peace. So friends, today, I want to remind you, if we're honest about putting God first in His way of living... We have to renew our thoughts every day in the word and through prayer. And then secondly, we need to get our hearts reconnected to our Savior and really love him and really trust him. And I've given you some prayers that you can pray. Finally, put God first. Putting God first means that we really seek his kingdom and his righteousness with our hands. By that I mean what we say and do. So not just our head, our heart, but our hands, our actions and our speech need to put God first. Some of the students that are in the room that I've had the pleasure of, of doing life with over the last several years, they've heard me say this over and over. Some of the adult leaders have heard me say this over and over again. But what we say and do matters. What we say and do should honor God, and it should help others honor God. The word kingdom here, it's another interesting word. Kingdom doesn't just mean an entity or concept. It can also mean the reign and the rule of someone. Does that make sense? It can also mean a position of power. I want to caution my Christian brothers and sisters in the room to be very careful of two common sins. 
The first is our tendency to revolt and take that throne from God. And secondly, we have this tendency, this selfish nature, whereby we want to disregard and disgrace the throne of God. So we want to usurp the throne of God and revolt against God and his kingdom. And we want to disregard and disgrace. Now, you may not set out during your day having your morning cup of coffee and saying, you know, I think I'm going to commit a coup d'etat today and overthrow God's kingdom. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying, though, is our sin nature tends to put us in this position. Within us, we have this desire to do things our way. And when we try to do things our way and we don't live by faith and we don't trust God and we don't seek his peace, what we are doing is we're trying to overthrow God and revolt against him. God wants us to remain humble, to surrender our cares and worry to him. We can't hold on to those cares and worries. We cannot do it. We're foolish if we think we can do it better and we can figure it out. We're foolish. But secondly, we can become so consumed with life that we disregard. We disregard the mission of the church. We state the mission of the church in a very simple, very simple phrase here at Calvary. It's to know Jesus in a personal way, to love each other and help one another in the family of faith, and to serve our world and share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ and what we say and do. That's our mission. But we can tend to disregard that mission. But let's not forget Christ has made us his ambassadors, his representatives. When we disregard the mission to live out our faith, when we forget who we are as Christ followers and let the cares of life and our selfishness begin to rule in our hearts, we disgrace our king. We dishonor our king. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17 through 21 says it this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled. That word means to bring back, to restore to reconnect. All this is from God who reconciles us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Fancy word ministry, it means what we do has the power to help people connect to Christ. It says, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people sent against them. And he has committed to us the message of really reconciliation. What we say should be about helping people come to Christ and honor the king. And he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. And we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. Be reunited with God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I don't know, maybe that's a whole separate sermon right there. Let me add this. 1 Peter 2 is, also reiterates this truth that when we're connected with Christ and we're in relationship with him and we really want to honor him, we really want to put him first, and what we say and do, not only should we never forget that we're always an ambassador, always representing him, but we should remember our position in the kingdom. Here's what Peter says. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. That's you and I. 
a royal priesthood, royal, connected to the king, priesthood, a go-between. Those of you that are people of faith that have accepted Jesus Christ, every day you live should be about connecting people to the Heavenly Father. It says, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, you weren't a part of God's family, but now you are the people of God. Notice the article in there, the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Don't forget, scripture tells us, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, the free gift of God is eternal life. Without embracing faith in Christ, judgment is upon us. But what Christ did on that cross by taking the penalty for us, we have mercy today. But we simply must embrace. And Peter goes on and he says this, and I think it's a truth for you here in the Chicago metro area. It's a truth for Kim and I as we go on the other side of the planet. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world, this is not our home. It's not our home. If you're a follower of Christ, this is not your home. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires, which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives amongst the pagans. That's an old school term. Another translation says, amongst your unbelieving neighbors. I like that a bit better. Live such good lives amongst the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Friends, we have a mission. If we really want to put God first, we have a mission. It's to live out our faith in what we say and what we do. I told you Wednesday, I was really stressing out. I really was. There was just so much going on. I mean, I'm, I'm talking to attorneys and realtors and, and my financial advisor and trying to get our house and our finances and everything in order. And I'm, I'm thinking about all the vaccines I have to get and Jonathan has to get and Kim has to get. And I'm um, thinking about all the, the finances related to moving on the other side of the planet and all, all that. I'm really stressing out. And the whole day, I'm not even hearing God. My mind is not focused on God. My heart was not focused on God. And you better believe my hands, my actions, and what I was saying wasn't focused on God. So what did I do? I went to Jiffy Lube. I don't know. That's what I did. I went to Jiffy Lube. I needed the oil changed in the car, and they had a sale. I thought, well, it's a good deal, and I don't want to get dirty, and I don't have the time, so I'm going to do it. I went to Jiffy Lube just right over here in Lamont. And as I walked in, I recognized some people. And there were three young guys working there. And one of them, uh, two of them I had just met. And they're friends uh, of Timothy White, who attends this church. And so um, I met or re-met Steve, Ken, and Patrick. And uh, the whole time, I'm still stressed. They're out working on my car. And I took my iPod out, and I put it on Phil Wickham's song, You're Beautiful. I don't know if you know that song. And I, I just had my iPod on full volume. And I laid back in the chair. I was only one in the little office area there. I just kind of leaned back and I had my iPod right here and I was like this. I was chillaxing. And um, I just recentered my thoughts. And I began apologizing to God that, uh, that that day he wasn't beautiful to me. That that day I had forgotten him. That that day I had an adulterous affair with my worries and my cares. That I cheated on him. That I didn't trust him. No, I didn't pray all of that, but that's what was in my heart. I said, God, I'm so sorry. I need you right now. Lord, these cares are just so much. And Lord, I need you and I need my thoughts to be clear so I can work on my sermon and deliver this last message. And then a couple of these young guys come in the office. And there I am, I'm still like this. You know, <laughs> I don't care. I'm just having a great moment with God. 
I'm not saying you necessarily need to do that. Not in a jiffy lube, mind you. But, but somewhere. And I was able to recenter. Do you know God gave me such a great peace after I took time to put him first in my thoughts and in my heart? You know what happened is he, he provided an opportunity for me to connect with those young guys. And I began talking to him about what I'm doing in my life and moving to Asia. And I invited him to church. And I hope they come tonight for the potluck, if anything. And, uh, and God, I just felt like God impressing on me, you know, hey, go, go buy these guys some Taco Bell. Now, if you know me, I, I don't like taco smell. So I just went and I just bought them some tacos and blessed them in the name of Jesus. But had I not taken time to get my head and my heart right, I don't think I would have been living out my faith in a very practical way. Do you see? Do you remember the truth I pointed out early on in our time together this morning? If you worry, you'll miss out on God's kingdom purpose and power for your life. But if you put God first, he will provide and worry will subside. I have a few things to say in conclusion. And let me just say this. Friends, if we are serious about seeking God first and his ways, then we would do well to give him our head, our hearts, and our hands. God desires to be the first in our thoughts. First, the first and greatest love of our life. And he wants to be the first in priority of what we say and do. He's given us a mission Your mission continues here. Mine is going to be on another corner of the harvest field. But we're on the same mission of living out our faith and trusting God and sharing that good news. So as I conclude these ramblings, I'd like like to ask you to join me in setting aside my worries and seeking God first in his righteousness. I'd like you to pray for me and my family because this won't be an easy thing to do. I mean, I I could look around now and already in the last few weeks, several of you have been so encouraging and you've built my faith. Uh, It's amazing. I need that and I think we need that for one another. So I'm overwhelmed of all that needs to be done in the next eight weeks. In my own strength, I can't do it. The cares are too much. Selling our house, our cars, our possessions, fundraising, figuring out vaccines and healthcare, medical insurance and saying goodbye to family and Grandmothers who who love Jonathan dearly, it's just too much. But I have this hope. I promise. That if I put him first, and I say, yes, Lord, I'll go wherever you want me to go and do what you want me to do, I have a promise that if I live for him and I have my thoughts and my heart and my actions in line with his word, that he'll take care of everything else. I pray that's, that promise is yours today because I believe it is. Pastor mentioned our prayer card. It's out in the lobby. It's got our contact info. And yes, he's right. I do look gorgeous. <laughs> so let me pray and we just love you and we hope that you can come tonight. I know there'll be a lot of great memories shared. Um, It'll be a good time, and I so look forward to eating free food. So come and be with us. Let me pray and ask God's blessings to be with you as well. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this truth today. I I know my message was a bit long, but I pray that it really touched hearts and minds. I know there are people here today, young and old. I don't know if they're 10 or 12 or if they're 30 or 52 or I don't know how old they are, but you know, Lord, and each and every person here has to deal with the same issues that I deal with. 
the worries and care of this life, broken relationships, unknown futures, worries and doubts and so forth. But Lord, we have the same promise that if we put you first with what we do and what we feel and what we think, your kingdom will be advanced and you'll take care of every need. I pray that truth for everyone here today. I pray that for those that have not embraced faith in you, have not surrendered their heart, have not fully accepted you as their Lord and Savior. May this moment be a moment where they decide to trust you. For my brothers and sisters, I pray, Lord, that they would lean into your arms and know that you have their back and you just want their hearts. I give you the glory, Lord. In your name, amen.